Well, this morning in the vein of what we've already experienced and what we've already been, been compelled to, to go forth in, in, in worship, I would have you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I know when you hear that, you automatically think of Christmas, but we're going to fast forward past Christmas a little bit into, into a very young Jesus, a, a moment in his life that oftentimes is, is completely missing in our telling of his story. When you get to, to Luke, I, I realized that in my preparation, I probably, I probably put 28 and following on your bulletin, but I would like to read from 25. So if you can find verse number 25 in your own Bible and you would stand in honor of God's word, then I will read from 25 to 34. Forgive me for that, for that misstep on the, the planning there. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 and following says this, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you that as we come to Scripture, we are reminded that even, Lord, that even you are king. We're brought, you were brought into a house of worship. You were presented before God, that you were prepared in a way that would set your life on such a course that, that we could only understand which course you had already been set upon that we would see it with our own eyes through the telling of history, Lord, that those who were alive at the time would see it firsthand. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful that you came into this world as a small child, as a baby, so that we might not know terror and fear from your form, but instead we would see the gentleness of your love. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we see this moment in, in Scripture, and there's this picture. And, you know, verse 22, and the bigger story, and there's just oftentimes not enough time for me to unpack everything that's encaps, encapsulated in a, in a piece of Scripture. And, and for the sake of brevity, oftentimes I, I, will, I, will, I will pick right from the heartbeat of something. In verse 22 through 23, you see a picture of Jesus being presented at the temple. You see just before that there's this moment of, of Jewish custom of his circumcision just right before that, and you see the sacrifice that occurs, and they make the sacrifice, and, and you see all of this story that's un, unfolding. But, but something compels us when we look to the Scripture. Something is powerful when we see it because there's this moment when they get through this presentation that you see in 22, 23, 24, that you see that immediately there's confirmation in all that has just occurred, and there's something powerful about it. Verse 25 says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, 
waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. There's this moment when you look to Scripture, something that you need to know and something that you need to embrace, and that is that all throughout the Old Testament, there are these vibrant promises about what Jesus would be. And we've been studying about Jesus as king for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, and today he's presented in this passage of Scripture in the greater chapter. He's presented before, before the, the people, and he is, he is brought in, in the manner of their custom. And immediately, a man who is present there is compelled. But there's all this Old Testament building up to this moment. All this powerful promise that is in this moment becoming clear to the people. And it's powerful when you understand the greater story because if you go back and you study all the Old Testament promises about who Jesus is and about what he would do, you'll find that there's quite a pile of them. And all of a sudden, Simeon is in this moment and he's waiting. Now, some of you know what it means to wait, don't you? Some of you understand what it means to be patient for something. You've been praying for one thing for a great long time, a family member or a friend or, or something in your own life, and you've been crying out to God and you've been waiting. Here's, here's a story of a man who's been waiting and he's been, he's been promised by God. It says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This is a powerful moment. You realize that the distance between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a number of years. And I'm not talking about like two or three years, you know. Some of us have been waiting for a couple of years for something, but hundreds of years. Hundreds of years they've been waiting. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, we... We think that if a package is a day later than it's supposed to be from Amazon, that we need to be on the phone with Amazon if you can find a phone number that reaches, actually reaches Amazon. You know, about the time the pandemic set in where I live, that phone number stopped working. I think it's because everybody decided that they were home now and that package being a day late was going to be a catastrophic problem, right? We are the people that, I mean, I got a dissertation from a young man at a, at a fast food restaurant recently because he wanted to explain why our two-minute wait had, had occurred because the car in front of us had X, Y, Z problems, and I was like, it's okay. I absolve you. You are forgiven. I don't know what you want from me. I don't know why, but we're waiting. We are cooking that minute rice, and we're waiting, and we feel like we've done something significant. Do you remember writing letters to people and putting a stamp on it and putting the, in the envelope in the mail? Some of you are like, no. Some of you know. And waiting for a response. And sometimes they never came. Some of us don't understand waiting because we don't understand what it looks like to be entangled with God, to trust him so profoundly that we might just be ready to live right up to the end of our life and that would be the last thing that we are given is God's promise. But that's exactly what Simeon's doing here at the moment of Jesus being presented as a small child in the temple. You know, the, the picture and there's, some, there, there's just some, some points and if you want to take notes this morning, the first one is real simple. is Jesus was presented. You know, I don't know about you, but there's a moment when we, we sometimes we take for granted the magnitude of, of of everything that Jesus went through in his life. I mean, he was born into a world that didn't have room for him. He was presented at a temple that would one day be an instrument, a very instrument 
for his, for his, his death. He is, he's brought into this world in a form, and I highlighted this in my prayer, something that I hope you'll see with me. God could have come, he could have sent Jesus as a full-grown king into the world to take power and authority over all of us, but what does he do instead? He says, no, I want to introduce the world to a, an ongoing relationship with me in the gentlest form I know. I will send my son as a child. And there's this beauty in the innocence. You know, it's really cool when you see these children all lined up here this morning, right? Because there's so much potential. There's so much possibility. And we pray for it. You know, it's, it's one of the greatest things that a church can have is the very young. I fear, and I say this, and I'm kind of blunt here, and I know that it's painful because all of us know of some churches out there that have very few young. And my fear is, is that because we have, we have allowed our churches to age themselves to a place where they're just waiting to the end. And I, I said this to a group of people not, not long ago that we've kind of pulled up a lawn chair and we're kind of waiting for the end of something the end of our church or the end of our thing. And, and, you know, if you want to know statistically something that scares me a little bit, and I know I shouldn't be scared, but something that scares me is that more churches closed than are opened each year now. Many of the churches in our association are struggling, and, and a couple of them, you know, not to, not to you know, send shockwaves through here, but will close their doors. It was the, the association I came from in Texas, they were like, there's about 10 churches in a group of 100 that we don't expect will be open in two years. And I, I look at this moment when you look at the scripture and you see this picture of waiting on God's promises to be fulfilled. And we as a church, we have, we have this blessing of the young in, in our number, young families, young children, and there's this excitement and this joy that comes along with it because we believe. We believe that when we gather under his name that he blesses these things in such a way that we can raise children to know him and to follow him and that could tell the world about him. I will tell you that I read these passages and, and I get swept up. I was kind of emotional as we're singing these songs. These, and, I, and I asked for them this morning that we would sing a couple of, of, of children's songs because they tell such powerful truths. And some of you might have thought, well, this seems kind of childish. And to that I say, amen. If it seems kind of childish to you, then I say, become just like a child and come to Jesus. Jesus came into this world as a child, and it's exciting. We see these moments. But in the singing of these powerful and pointed songs, we learn these important things. You know, there's a moment in verse 24 where the, the young couple, Mary and Joseph, are bringing Jesus, and, and they're required to make a sacrifice. And, 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 you know, there's something to be said about when you see Simeon, and Simeon starts to declare this truth about Jesus, and, and I'm going to get to it here in a second. There's something you need to see. I bet you anything that Mary and Joseph thought that it was, that it was some cost involved in making their sacrifice. But read with me a little further. Verse 27 says, So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the customs of the law, it says that Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. And there's this moment where, and, and you almost can see it at every turn. I don't know that it's quite visible as we would like, but at every turn when you look at Jesus, 
you realize that he doesn't belong to Mary and Joseph. He belongs to heaven. He belongs to God. He belongs to the people. He belongs to the cross. He belongs to the tomb. He belongs to every single one of your sins that you'll give him. He belongs to everything else. And here's this moment of them. Immediately their son is, is picked up by Simeon and there's this sacrifice in it. And bringing your children to God is indeed sacrifice. And that's point number two, that you see this moment where they bring him, but if they were bringing him for any other reason than realize they were giving him to God, then they were doing it wrong. And there's this unfolding of the story. And he begins to pour out this beautiful, this beautiful statement before the, the king of all creation. I can go on in peace and on to glory. That's the statement I see here. You are letting your servant depart in peace. I don't know about you, but I tell people this, and I, and I encourage people to hear me clearly. Don't, don't hear the negative part. My wife gets upset with me when I talk this way. I don't want to be here one minute longer on planet Earth than I'm supposed to be here but I don't want to be here one second shorter than I should have either, okay? Because I have a king in heaven that when I look upon his story, he was, come, he was brought into this world and he, was, and he was given for this specific beautiful purpose of living his perfect life. And if he has work for me to do, I want to do it. But when he's done, I, I want to go on. But I see this moment where Simeon is, is he's to this part where he's like, look, you promised me that this would be it. And now I can be at peace because I know it's real. That's trust. Do you trust God with everything you have? With all of your stuff, including your families? You know, when, I don't know about you, but, but you know, one of the hardest things to do, and it's incredibly difficult, and I talk about this with parents frequently, it's crazy to raise kids today. It's nuts. Now, I know that if I talk to my parents, they'd probably say, it's pretty insane to raise me and my siblings whenever we were being raised. And if you talk to their parents, they'd probably say the same about them. But man, I don't know about you, but it messes my head up to think that there's a record of just about every conversation that my child has because she doesn't talk on the phone. She types it all out on the internet. My son too. And I'm like, and I thought to myself, what a grave terror in me if somebody could go back and look at all the conversations I had when I was their age and there was a record of it somewhere. That's terrifying. I am going to tell you flat out, I am super excited that Jesus saved me because I was a train wreck. And if you could go back and you're like the historical record said all this, and trust me, heaven has it. But you could read all the things, you'd be like, that dude shouldn't be up there preaching. And trust me, you shouldn't be up here preaching either if that was the story about you either, so don't get mad at me. I don't, sometimes I don't understand why God called me, but I'm excited that he did because I know how to say yes, and when I did, all the rest took off. I'm just going to tell you that we get to this moment, we look to this picture, and we see this unfolding. That there's this incredible picture. This incredible picture. For my eyes have seen your salvation. 
Simeon sees so clearly what the rest of the world only, only wonders. It talks about Mary's wonder and that she ponders in her heart all the things she was told by the angels, that Joseph behaves in his obedience and there's this, there's this uncertainty of what comes next. John and Elizabeth, and you see all these different people declaring this truth and, and John, uh, you see it. You see the, the measure, John's parents, being bringing the forerunner in who tells all the story about what Jesus will be and what he will do. And they only see with a small glimpse. We have seen his whole life played out, his earthly life, from this moment until the death on the cross and then the resurrection and what is happening in heaven now. We, we, we have a picture of everything that Jesus went through in the New Testament that they want us to have. And we are in awe because Simeon sees it clearly. Do you see it clearly? Jesus has come. I don't know about you, and it kind of bakes my noodle. I think about it when I talk about that. It's my brain, by the way, and I, I get really kind of wrapped up in this thought about this little baby, this is God's answer. And Simeon is standing on God's promise through the Holy Spirit had given him, and he says, this is God's answer to the problems. He is standing on it in this declaration before the whole, the whole, I mean, the room is, is illuminated with his words. My eyes have seen your salvation. I learned something terrible. I, I don't know about you, but I listen to people talk, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm compelled to hear the truth about the situation in our world. I'm emotional because I'm listening this morning, or this morning, but this weekend, to a, to a man talk about some of the atrocities that are out there in the world, and, it, and he talks about the things that he observed with small children and how it made him sick to his stomach the first time and that he realized the depth of the magnitude. And I don't want to get into any details, but I will tell you, if you know just what you know about the sin in the world, if you know just what you know about the wickedness of, of mankind and then realize there is more beyond it, then you have to stand with Simeon on some kind of promise from God that he has an answer and a cure for the problems of this world. Because if he does not, we're condemned in a way that, that absolutely ought to terrify you. Because this world is broken, and it's perverted, and it's coarse, and it's awful, and it's everywhere. And you, you, you are deceived. That's why when Jesus comes in this, this child wrapped in, this, in these swaddling clothes to be declared before the whole of the temple. He says, your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This beautiful prayer, beautiful declaration, this beautiful bit of praise. Immediately it says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken by him. Point number three and the last note in here, if you're taking notes this morning, is, is that God sees clearly what each of us will be. He sees it from the moment we're born. He knows it all the way through your whole life. If you think that you are beyond, and I've heard people say this, I'll, I'll never forget the, the young man that sat with us in a conversation, and we had been talking to him, of course, of a couple of different times in the course of a week because we were at this location, and, and we just, we're just telling him about Jesus' love, and we're talking to him, and he just looks at us, and he says, you don't understand. 
I've done some awful things in my life. He goes, when I die, I'm going to go to hell. And when I go to hell, they're going to throw me into the deepest, darkest part, and they're going to close the door behind me, and I'm not getting out. There's no hope for me. And the guy that I was with, he just looks right at him and he says, he says, would you want to know if there was a way? If there was some bit of hope for you to not have to do that very thing? And the guy says, well, of course. And then he begins to just declare Jesus to him. And he just tells him who Jesus is. And then he asks him to give his sins to Jesus, and he does right then and there. And I'm telling you, this dude was bigger than me, and tears running down his face, and he just, the guy that I'm with, buddy, just looks at him and just stops him and says, he goes, I want to ask you a question right now. He says, I want to know who's been praying for you. And he says, well, my grandmother. And he goes, he says, as soon as you go home, after this week's over, he says, you go to your grandma and you tell her that you gave your sins to Jesus today. And he just was like, yes, sir, I will. And he says, what's going to happen to you? And he just asked him this simple question. He goes, what's going to happen to you now when you die? He goes, I'm going to go to heaven. And that's the straight truth of the matter of the fact is, is that Jesus came to offer this salvation and Simeon sees it. And Joseph and Mary, they are, they are marveling at it. And we sometimes forget that you have a potential beyond, a God-given purpose to live and to be and to exist. And you don't see it like he sees it. And isn't it glorious that God can know, that he can see beyond it, that he can offer you more? I mean, because I rewind the, just, just rewind the film with me just for a few minutes and go back to the part where you're thinking about everything that you ever said on the phone or, or in a phone conversation, in a, in a letter that you wrote or in a note that you passed or in a private conversation that's no longer recorded somewhere. And you're thinking, that person, Jesus wants to die for that person? And the answer is yes. Because he wants you to be what he created you to be, not what the devil has convinced you you are. And this is the beautiful picture of Jesus coming into the world and us seeing these children dedicated before is that God sees everything in their future. And I love what the scripture says that it says that he demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, every one of these children that were here this morning and every child that will come through this church will make some mistakes. They will inevitably become entangled in sin at some point in their life. And Jesus will stand there like he stood there for us and he will be ready to receive them and take their sins from them. And it will be a glorious story, and each and every one of them, he knows every time each and every one of them will be invited to meet him. He knows. He knows exactly right now that some of you in this room might be a little uncomfortable that you're being invited to know Jesus for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time or the thousandth time. And he understands that you may be resisting him even now, but he stands and offers it to you, that you could know him. It says in verse 34 that Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, the child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken again. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And there's this, this kind of cryptic language about what he, what he will be, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And in this moment, in this opportunity, as we conclude this just little piece of scripture, I want to ask a couple of questions and then offer you an opportunity to respond. Your heart today, 
what you know about yourself to be true, what you understand in you, if you were completely honest about it, if you were revealed before Jesus the way the scripture says you would be revealed, where would you stand? Would you stand with him or would you stand with that man that I talked about who was convinced he was going to hell? Where would you stand? Would you stand with him understanding that he has offered you the opportunity to be saved because he is salvation of the nations to all the peoples? Where would you be? Because I suggest to you that in this place that even some here, they wonder. And I suggest that you don't have to wonder today. We get to this moment where we look to the reality that this Jesus who was presented as a small child, he was presented this way so that you might not be threatened by him. The, the Jesus that comes in Revelation, the one that comes out on the horse that ends the battle with the spoken word, that one you will be afraid of. Trust me, you have no leg to stand on before him. But he was introduced to us in a gentle way so that we might understand God's love. And we see him in the latter pictures of the scripture that we might understand his just nature. And they are the same. Love and just. He is merciful, but he is just. He is loving, but he is also content to make the measure of records right. And you stand no chance before him without him. So I offer you this opportunity today to come to Jesus and know him. Know him starting right here, understanding that it was promised from the moment that he was born and is still being declared today. He is your salvation. There is no other way. Would you stand with me today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you that as we've come to this place, Lord, that we hear what the promise of Simeon that was declared by your spirit to him says that you are our salvation and that you, like the children of the church, have been presented before, before this congregation and promises have been made and that you have seen clearly into their future, we pray, knowing that each and every one of our lives is not, not different, that you see us for who we are and that you peel back who we are to know the depth of us. And if each and every one of us was honest before you, we'd all say we have a little bit of business to do with you this morning. I pray that we would begin to do that business right now, right here, giving you everything that we have, letting you dictate everything that will be. Save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that we would offer them directly out to you, give them to you right now, and let no, not one person in here walk out of here with any sin in their life that they'll say to themselves later, well, I'll deal with this some other time. Let them say today, I want to give it to you because I know you'll take it just as you always have, just as you always will. I ask, Lord, I ask for it, that each and every person here would freely give you everything that's in their life that's between you and them, that you would reveal us 100%. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.